Chapter 46. It's tough. Deal with it. Commences with a quote by Ellen G. White. So utterly was Christ emptied of self that he made no plans for himself. He accepted God's plans for him, and day by day the Father unfolded his plans. So should we depend upon God, that our lives may be the simple outworking of his will. On the last day of one of the forum events, I had the opportunity to speak with a wealthy gentleman who I guessed was in his 80s. Due to early business successes, he had lived for decades as a Christian millionaire. While he had done his best to distribute God's blessings throughout his life, he still had millions to give before he died. On realising the potential wisdom that I could glean from this kindly man, I asked him, When did you stop worrying about how you use God's blessings for others? His answer was most insightful. Never, he told me. I never stop worrying that I might be misusing or misdirecting God's blessings, and I hope I never do. Not only that, but I also regularly worry that I'm not giving enough, so I give more. I hope that worry stays with me too. If I lose my conviction to give more wisely and to give more more often, then I would have to start worrying that God had stopped convicting me, and that would be an even greater worry. This elderly sage knew the truth in the saying that God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Living with wealth or any other bountiful blessing can be tough for a devoted Christian, even once you've received a new heart from Christ. It's meant to be. Our conscience, as painful as it often seems, is an essential guide and motivator when it comes to making God-centered decisions. The Holy Spirit prompts us and pricks us to save us from our old ways. As another forum member wisely shared with me, money is like electricity. Christians who have been entrusted with the handling of wealth are like the linesman whose job it is to maintain high-voltage power lines while the power is still on. We must never forget the dangers. So long as we draw breath on this planet, you and I are going to be encouraged by our peers and tempted by the media to want more of the good things of life. We're going to be continually bombarded with the message, you deserve it. We can never let our guard down. Satan is going to take us up onto the mountain daily and offer it all to us. Every time we open a glossy magazine, drive past a luxury car dealership, visit a marina, or look into a real estate agent's window, we will face the choice of whether we love God or money. It's not always going to be easy to follow God's clear instructions on how to use his money and his assets. But, as we see in Matthew 25, our eternal life will hinge on, among other things, how we did or did not care for the time, talents and money that God has entrusted to us. Did we use them to help the least of these my brethren, or primarily just to help ourselves? Did we share them liberally, giving them back to God, or did we just build bigger barns? I'm reminded again of what Jesus so clearly told us in Luke 16:13. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money.
It's impossible for us to throw off the selfish nature that we were born with, but not for God. All things are possible with him. God gives us, he gifts us, the power that allows us to overcome our earthly human desires and to make decisions that are in line with his will. This gift, this power, is love. Love for God and love for others. It's a miracle, and it's called receiving a new heart. Matthew got one, Zacchaeus got one, Nicodemus got one, and dare I say it, I got one too. God wants to replace our heart of stone, our selfish and proud human nature, with a heart of flesh, a heart of love, the loving heart of Christ. It is a miracle, but it's not a quick fix. It's not a -a once-in-a-lifetime permanent solution to overcoming temptation and worldly desires. I need a new heart, daily, so that my blessings don't again become curses, so that the blessings don't pile up inside my heart's door, again. In the final analysis, my only way of faithfully handling the blessings that God so generously entrusts me with is by daily giving myself and my all to Him. Let me repeat that. My only way of faithfully handling the blessings that God so generously entrusts me with is by daily giving myself and my all to Him. Every morning, on my knees, giving it up. Then, getting up off my knees and sharing my all for Him. I know of no other solution. So do I want the blessings to stop? No, I just want to keep learning how to manage them and to effectively pass them on in the way God wants me to, to keep them out of the doorway of my new heart. Has my battle ended? No, not fully. I simply pray that God will give me the courage and the strength to fight against the tide of temptation every day. I pray that I might maintain a truly Jesus-centered focus on my blessings as I journey along my path towards poverty and glory. What about you? Will you join me? It won't be easy, but I invite you today to choose whom you will serve, the gifts or the giver, the skips or the skipper, money or God. As for me and my house, with Christ's love in our hearts, we will serve the Lord.